and welcome to the bus stop. This is the official podcast of the National School Transportation Association. I am Kurt Mackison, Executive Director, and here today with Rich Kelly. Rich is a regular contributor to NSTA The Bus Stop, also NSTA Council, and works with a lot of contractors and associations out there. So, Rich, welcome back to NSTA The Bus Stop. Yeah, thanks for the invitation. I'm always interested in talking uh, full bus stuff with you guys. So, uh, again, let's do it. All right. Well, listen, you and I are presenting at the Student Transportation Association of Massachusetts this week, STAM for short. One of the big topics, and I really want to hone in on this topic uh, on the on the podcast, is this Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration waiver of the under the hood testing requirement. And that's a mouthful, Rich, but yeah. hey, can you give us a brief, you know, summary of what that is? Yeah, I can. And and you know, it's interesting how it evolved. You know, this thing came out on January 3rd from FMCSA and it it got some, you know, notice but not a lot of like fanfare. So I think a lot of people missed it. In fact, when we talked with the Massachusetts Association and they were, some of them, not even aware it was out there. So the, the issue is this under the hood testing requirement, you know, is the sort of thing that really discourages a lot of otherwise willing candidates before they even get in the mode of, of starting their training. You know, they, they realize, oh man, that's going to be complicated. I don't know if I'm up for that. And they just, they bail. And And trainers will tell you that consistently. What FMCSA has agreed to do with this waiver is they recognize that uh, opening up the hood, identifying engine components, all that kind of stuff uh, is really not certainly consistent with the actual regulatory requirements of a pre-trip inspection. And for school bus drivers, you know, you're not really looking to get a school bus driver under the hood. You're looking for them to mind the kids. They're usually within 20, 30 minutes of a garage and a spare bus comes out if they need it. So, you know, kudos to FMCSA for recognizing that. I think now the the effort is to to get that operationalized. Yeah, and like you said, Rich, we've been at the uh, NSTA level been talking about this for for a couple years. In fact, I had written a letter in August of 2020 to FMCSA. Kind of, we were reading the tea leaves with respect to driver shortage, especially with the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, you know, affecting all states and school bus operations really everywhere throughout the country. I think this, you know, particular element has come up in terms of it being a quote-unquote solution to the driver shortage. And I think with respect to, you know, how we, the industry, have been framing this to regulators, have been trying to do a good job of educating folks as to, okay, connect the dots for me. How does this FMCSA waiver then you know, provide me the ability to hire more applicants to be a school bus driver. So do you think you could put some shape around that? Because I do think we there is a, somewhat of a, you know, knowledge deficit when it comes to, you know, connecting, you know, the, the waiver to the actual hiring of a school bus driver. Yeah, and that's a real fair question because I think even people that are in the industry at, at you know, various levels, Unless they're seeing it from literally, I'll call it the street level, you know, the the trainers and the recruiters are out there in the neighborhoods, you know, they're at the community events and things like that. And they're, they're trying to get willing candidates. 
And, you know, they may have a school bus there and, and, and it's, it's a big piece of equipment. I mean, just on its face, it's, it's pretty intimidating. But, you know, they, they make a connection with people in the community at, you know, county fairs or parades or, you know, softball games, you know, t-ball games, that kind of stuff. And, you know, they talk it up. And, you know, when they, they convince them that, yeah, you can do this, uh, you know, it requires them coming in and they start their training process. And, and what trainers will tell you consistently is they often get to this part where they, you know, walk out to the bus, open up the hood and start to point out engine components and make them, you know, tell them that you're going to have to know this, this and this to pass your test. It's a real drop off. And, and, you know, if you talk to the people at the tail end of the testing, you know, they may not see it the same way because what they're seeing is, okay, these are the people that, that didn't bail on the process early on. They, they decided they could do it. They take the test and, you know, they, they, they struggle with it, but there's a whole spectrum, a whole group of willing candidates that never make it that far. And that's exactly what this is aimed at. So what you're saying is, you know, and we've heard this more from the, uh, you know, motor vehicle agencies or departments, you know, whatever you have in your particular state that, hey, the analytics really don't support this. I don't get a whole lot of failures on the under the hood testing requirement, but you're kind of giving a, you know, a different story in that we just can't look at the analytics. Yeah, no, that's that's exactly right. And I think that's part of the reason that it was a little bit of an uphill struggle to to bring the whole issue kind of to the to the table, so to speak, because if you'd ask people, you know, how many people fail the test, like you said, it may not be an overwhelming number. Uh, it's significant in in the the anecdotal feedback I've gotten from, you know, Department of Motor Vehicle testing sites and things like that. It, it's significant but not overwhelming. So what they've really got to be educated on is that that lump of people never make it that far. And, you know, like I said, I think it's great that they, FMCSA, uh, was willing to see it and put it out there. Now, I really think the burden is on both state associations, state school bus associations, contractors working with their departments of motor vehicle to get this implemented. I think so far, there's seven states, Jersey, Texas, Oklahoma, Maryland, Kansas, Maine and Wisconsin that have implemented it, and they did that pretty quickly, but it's a small number, uh, and, and there's a lot more that are either hanging back or maybe unaware. Yeah, a s- seven out of 50 is not a great percentage. Might not right. get you to the to the major leagues for sure. So if we're, we're looking at that, I, I, I mean, let's dive in a little bit about the specifics of the waiver and who exactly is eligible for the FMCSA waiver. Yeah, it's it's available to any commercial learner's permit holder that is interested in driving a school bus, and they would be restricted to just driving a school bus in intrastate operations. But I can tell you from my experience with the unified registration system back boy a couple of years ago, we actually did surveys, and contractors themselves reported that fewer than 5% of their fleet ever crossed state lines. So this is something that applies to 95% of the uh, potential school bus con- uh, drivers out there. Uh, so if they are interested in driving uh, an intrastate school bus only, not other types of uh, commercial vehicles, then they can uh, take advantage of this waiver. And like I said, skip the under the hood portion, get their license, uh, and then the uh, indicators on their license is going to indicate that they are qualified to drive a school bus within the state. If they want to drive something else, they can, you know, down the road, they can certainly 
test further to, to have that restriction uh, move, removed. Uh, or if they know right off the bat, hey, I, I have you know other interests here, they can decide to take the full test. And I think sometimes people don't fully appreciate the fact that this is not something that's being taken away. It's really an option that's being added. And, and I think that's an important distinction. Yeah, no, for sure it is. Now, specifically, you know, because we're trying to attract, you know, school bus driver candidates here, can you, can you frame out what testing is actually being waived for applicants? Yep, it's it's defined under the the Code of Federal Regulations is that those that are contemplated by 383.113A1I. And you know, if you google that, what you'll see is it is the skills testing portion of the regulations. And that is the portion that talks about the need to go within the engine compartment. So FMCSA has specifically excluded that entire portion. So if it is within the engine compartment, it is within the waiver. We've you know had some dialogue with FMCSA in the process of, of advocating for this and, and subsequently, and uh, they're very much on board with it. They're very much on board with the idea that you know, if if you have to open the hood, then it's within the waiver. So that doesn't mean you can ignore everything mechanical. What it means, though, is you don't have to open the hood and identify the alternator and the you know various components attached to the engine. You've got to have a you know a, an awareness so that you can do your pre-trip. But you know you don't have to necessarily identify all of those moving parts that make people recoil. Yeah, and you know it just struck me as you know you were going through that too. In terms of the, you know, demographic or part of the demographic that, um, you know, school bus utilizes in terms of uh, attracting bus drivers is the physical act of, you know, doing this, lifting the hood and identifying the components, could, you know, is, is something that could be more difficult, you know, for some candidates versus other based on age and strength and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's a great point because I have talked to, again, trainers, school bus drivers themselves. And, uh, you know, because of maybe they're not real tall or maybe they're, uh, you know, retirees, they're not necessarily uh, weightlifters or anything like that. Just the actual act of lifting that hood and bringing it forward uh, might be something that just from a physical standpoint, they're not physically able to do. Now, they're certainly physically fit enough to pass the school bus physical to operate the bus. They've got, you know, all of that. But, you know, those those hoods are heavy. They're heavy. And, you know, when you talk to uh, the contractors, you know, they hire mechanics. They've got staffs of mechanics. And quite frankly, they don't need or want the the driver to be under the hood. And if you look down the road, you know, they were, they're talking about electrifying the fleet and things like that. You know, what is under the hood is, is likely going to change dramatically, especially if uh, as we move towards these uh, you know, electrified vehicles and things like that. Yeah, yeah, that's a good point on the electric school buses and something that bears watching because, you know, hey, wouldn't we rather be ahead of the curve than behind it? So if, this is, if things are trending in this direction, it makes sense for us to just get re- rid of the under the hood right now instead of waiting till full deployment of electric school buses. So that's a good point. Uh, the other thing I want to ask you, Rich, is with respect to and, and I think you talked about this a little bit earlier, with respect to implementing the waiver, you mentioned seven states had done it out of 50, not a high percentage. Is there anything we're missing with respect to you know, implementing this? Like, do they have to pass 
a law at the state level or, you know, how, how is this done? And maybe then if it's, you know, the, obviously the numbers aren't overwhelming, seven out of 50, is, is there a reason that states are, are sitting back and not, you know, adopting the waiver? Yeah, and I, and I think it's kind of an interesting reason from the, the DMVs that I've talked to, from the, the various people that are involved in the, I'll say the implementation process, you know, the, the fact that it can be done quickly and simply, I think is evidenced by the fact that, you know, these seven states that started it, some of them implemented it within days of the January 3rd notice issued by FMCSA. They were delighted. They said, let's do it. And uh, what FMCSA in their news release uh, explain is that if a tester, a permit holder, indicates when they apply for the test that they want the K intrastate restriction and a P passenger endorsement and an S school bus endorsement, that combination of a restriction and endorsements is what indicates that they are testing with the waiver and that the operation of that they're authorized to do is limited to school buses within the state of issue only. So what's interesting is while you know some states have said, wow, we're going to have to change our systems to put a school bus only indicator on the license, and that's going to take months and months and months, I think the states that have implemented it you know, have kind of recognized that, well, okay, if, if the license has the K restriction, the P endorsement and the S endorsement, which licenses kind of already have in every state, they say, well, that's, that's it. We've got our indicator, and, and that's all we need. Uh, I, I know that a couple of the states talked about the need to extend the uh, the waiver. It's, expi- it's set to expire March 30, and they they've talked about extending that waiver. Is is that uh, maybe you've got some some information on on efforts that are maybe underway in that regard? Well, y- yes, you're, you're correct. The, the the waiver itself is going to expire March 31st, and I actually am going to point you back to Rich. You and I and our uh, NSTA advocacy team had a meeting with FMCSA way back, I say way back, but way back at the beginning of the school year in September of 2021. And at that time, you know, we, we talked to them. In, in essence, we said, we think you have the authority and we think you have the authority under, you know, your emergency powers uh, to do this, you know, because of the, you know, crisis around the bus driver shortage. At that time, you know, FMCSA wasn't uh, completely on board. I think they, you know, took a couple months as it seems and then said, yeah, you know what? Those guys were right. We we can do this. Uh, you know, we see the value in doing it and we can do it under emergency basis, which unfortunately is only a three-month time frame. Now, NSTA is going to write to FMCSA urging another uh, 90-day extension of this waiver. And then I think the real challenge moving forward is how do we make this uh, permanent change? And whether that's a full-blown, you know, rulemaking, which will take some time, or we do have some legislative champions interested in the school bus driver shortage issue, and we have to take a legislative path, that's yet to be determined. But I think our first step, which is going to be, let's ask for another 90-day extension. That gets us into June. It's not optimal in terms of peak driver hiring season. But it's certainly better than the January to March window. So that yeah, think, you know, that's the latest. 
Yeah, no, I think that's that's great, and and actually that's probably a lesson for for the listeners. You know, whether they're contractors operating within a state or state association uh, members or leaders, you know, I think that the the whole idea of this is a good thing. Some states have taken advantage of it. Some other states would like to take advantage of it, but they just need some time. But as you know, you know, the sweet spot for hiring drivers really is not January, February, March. It's those months leading up to the beginning of school, July, August, September, where that something like this could really make a difference in a positive way for school bus contractors and the ability to offer, uh, you know, full stable transportation and, and uh, you know, full complement of drivers. So to the extent that, uh, you know, FMCSA can kind of be educated on, on that dynamic itself, it makes great sense to, to extend this out and, and, and hopefully, hopefully, they're, hopefully they're listening too. Absolutely. Time's running short, but I do have one last uh, question or concept that I'm going to throw at you. And and that's, you know, in a lot of cases, you you know, people reach out to us, us being NSTA, and they say, oh, we, you know, interface with our DMV or MVC, you know, whatever it's called in your respective state. And the agency says, yeah, we don't have the authority to do that. Now, I know in this case, as well as in the third-party knowledge test case, that FMCSA has green-lighted this. And so what are your thoughts on when folks do hear that objection at the local level that they don't have the authority to do this? Because I think we think, we NSTA, you and I, think it's now clear on both of these issues that the states have the ability to do this. It's in their court. Yeah, I think you're 100% right about that. And sometimes it's a matter of, you know, just education and connecting them with the right people and things like that. And it's simple steps. I mean, for example, in this month's NSGA newsletter, NSGA 64, the legal focus article highlights this FMCSA under the hood waiver and, and really talks about a lot of the things we've talked about here. It's the sort of thing where you can provide that document to your DMV or to the person that maybe thinks they don't have the authority at the state level. In addition, you've got the January 3rd news release by FMCSA themselves. And that's the same thing. If you don't have a copy of that, we can get you a copy of it. That's real clear. And I know from our prior dialogue with the folks at at FMCSA, they're very approachable. And uh, I think that if either a DMV calls or even a state association interested in working with their DMV, if there is some you know, need, interest, question, I I think that they are also willing to help the states to the extent they need it, uh, or just validate that, yep, you've you've got this. Great, fascinating discussion today with Rich Kelly of R.C. Kelly Law Associates, and he's also NSTA counsel. Hey, Rich, thanks so much for stopping by NSTA, the bus stop. Yep, thanks for having me, and uh, stay healthy.